Sandra Cunningham Segundo is an author, visual, and music artist. We discuss her indigenous roots, becoming a full-time entrepreneur, and the art of resistance. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo. And I go by the name of Yoshiko. We sit with entrepreneurs and artists across disciplines to share their stories, insight, and gems. Their journey will inspire you to think about community and your own narrative, how it shapes who you are, and what your legacy will be. You're listening to No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. You are listening to No Blueprint. Who are you? I'm Sandra Segundo. And I'm from Seattle. I'm a South Seattle girl. What part of South Seattle? I grew up in Rainier Beach and Lake Ridge Skyway area. If you had a biography or biopic about your life, what would it be called? Hmm. Indigenous resistance? When you're born into this country as an indigenous person, you're born into activism. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was it like growing up in Skyway, Rainier Beach, when you, as you were growing up? I loved it. It was, you know, it was just the norm for me to be raised around many cultures. It was amazing. I grew up singing gospel in a South Seattle church, and then I would go sing traditional Haida songs with my family. And nice. so, you know, we were the Haidas that represented the South End, 98118 hey. zip code. Hey. Nice. So. The most diverse, one of the most diverse zip codes in the United States, mm-hmm. changing very rapidly because of gentrification. But yeah, still, still holding it down. Yep. Still holding it down. And you still sing now? Yes. And so started in the church, started with family. I always felt comfortable in front of the microphone. I think it's because my grandparents always had me singing songs in front of them and got me comfortable. And yeah, I would just know the song words to the songs in church and just love singing. And I just learned from the best, Renee Wood and... Hey. Felix Williams were my teachers, music teachers, and they taught me how to sing in harmonies and uh, with soul from the heart to creator. And your family, from what I know of, practiced a lot of art. Yes, it's just natural for us. We, where we lived for a long time, was just abundant food, so mm-hmm. we were able to really practice art skills and weaving and carving and developing form line art, which is the distinctive art form of the Northwest Coast people, indigenous people, and that's what the Seahawks logo was inspired from. Nice, nice. Tell me more about just the Haida community from Alaska to here in Washington State. We're a pretty tight, loving community. We know each other well. We know each other's business, even though we're <laughs> far away. Right. In our village, we just, we know, everybody knows each other. We travel back and forth to our village of Heidelberg and Ketchikan. People come through here a lot. A lot of Haida moved to the Seattle area. Mm. 
So there's about, last time we counted three to 500, I think, in the area. Okay. And there's about three to 500 in my village and about 4,000 in Canada on Haida Gwaii, which is our motherland. Right, right. And we're getting to know that area better as well. But uh, they drew the line in the land, or the water, between our islands, and so we became Alaskan Haida and they're the Canadian Haida. What brought your family from Alaska to Washington? My grandmother always had health issues Hmm. and Seattle area had fair health care. What year was this? When my mom was, I think, in first grade. Okay. She was pretty young. Okay. They moved down here on my grandpa's tugboat bought a little house out in Ballard. A lot of the Haida moved out to Ballard because they all owned boats. And so they would park out their boats out there and live out there. There's a pretty large community from my grandparents' generation. Mm -hmm. What is your earliest memory about learning about the Haida tribe and learning about where you came from and all of that? Oh, it's just who I am, just part of my everything, you know. Mm-hmm. We were always very proud of being Haida, although my grandparents in the public didn't really show it, but in private, we were very proud of our language. Mm-hmm. They would teach me the songs and talked about our culture often, and they spoke our language fluently, their generation. Wow. And, you know, when they would speak it, it was beautiful. And they would just laugh so hard. Mm-hmm. And, but they never taught us because they were discouraged from teaching our language to us in the boarding schools. Mm-hmm. So I would ask my grandma, what do you, what's so funny, grandma? And she'd say, oh. And she would tell me, and I would say, that's, that's not funny. <laughs> She's like, it's funnier in Haida. You know? <laughs> and they would just be laughing and laughing. I just wish I knew what they were talking about. Yeah. And now we're relearning our language. Our family is starting to, because our language almost went extinct and it was breaking our hearts and we just had to do something about it. And there's so many opportunities in Alaska, but none down here in Seattle. So I actually quit my job last year and started going for grants. And the city of Seattle is very supportive and loving of our culture and, and have provided a lot of support and help for us to start a language program and it's pretty amazing we're learning our language i wish my grandparents were still here because i I wish i could practice with them for sure but i was gonna say i I know that you you got a grant to do like an online language class that a lot of folks are now utilizing to Mm -hmm. learn the Haida language down here in, in seattle Yep. That's super awesome. It's a college credit, University of South, University of Alaska Southeast right. offers distant learning classes. So we were able to get in on some really good classes. Yes. Uh, and then we're going to continue that for as long as we can and start a youth program, language program, and regalia making with local artists. Yeah. How did you get into art? Well, I was a single mom of three little ones, and, um, and, you know, educators pay. We pretty much have to work two jobs to make it. So I had to start supplementing my income somehow. And at the time, 
as an artist, I could just create my work from home and sell it. Mm-hmm. And so I started selling it at local powwows and local events. Started with jewelry, then I moved to painting on shoes, and that really got my art popular, got my name out there. Mm-hmm. And then I started working on my children's books, which was which is my main passion because it includes my culture, my language, and it incorporates music, songs that I wrote in my language, composed in my language, and composed a tune to in my language. And it's pretty amazing. That's awesome. It took 10 years to create each book, but wow. I just didn't want to stop. A lot of our stories were told in third person, and so I really wanted people to hear from an indigenous perspective. Yeah. About my people. So you sing, you do art, you sell merch, you paint on shoes, you write books. Like, that's amazing. How do you balance all of that and be a mother of three at the same time? Help from creator and my family. I have a big loving family. Yeah that just supports me and man just getting up and praying every day just get me through you know and going where I feel like God is opening the doors you know I quit my job of many years with the Seattle schools just felt like it was time you know Mm -hmm. to help my people and work for my culture and first thing I started doing was writing grants for my community and finished my second book and just was able to get a lot done yeah. and I thought I'd have more time on my hands but it's pretty full <laughs> I was gonna say you do a lot there's a huge need for indigenous teachers in the community to go out and actually talk about our culture and just answer clarifying questions and when I get out there working with the youth they have so many questions mm-hmm. and it, you know no question is too small or too strange right. it's really good it's education and you know the media is where they're going to learn about my people That's and real. you can see that they like they, they, they look at us like we're fantasy people when we're actually real people right. with real jobs with real you know lives and so yeah, that's what I do. I bring a real native woman to the community. Absolutely. And there is a need because I'm booked. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's what's up. And I love it though, and that's what I wanted, you know. Is, so I'm glad that happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, I mean, I took a big step quitting my nine to five. Absolutely. You know that job security. Seattle, mark your calendars for Saturday, August 11th at 6 p.m. No Blueprint will be recording a live podcast centered around coffee at the Northwest Film Forum. Stay tuned and visit our website for more details coming soon. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. How did you know you were ready? Like for for folks listening who are thinking about entrepreneurship. So last season, we talked to a lot of folks who were nine to five in it and then five to nine going home, doing their art or, or weekends, doing their artwork. How did you know that you were ready to take that leap? Well, I'd been doing that, doing the double thing, yeah. raising kids, working full time, doing the art on the side. Luckily, I had summers off, you know, and that's where I did most of my vending and stuff. But mm. I knew I was ready to quit when and do my art full time when it just started taking over my whole world. Mm. And I couldn't 
focus on work anymore and plus I felt like I wasn't doing as much as I could be with the Seattle schools like I could be out in the community and you know there was so many requests mm -hmm. it was just taking over yeah it was just taking over and and I knew it was time mm -hmm. you know plus I have a really wonderful husband you know that supports me and some months are good and some months are a struggle because it's not that steady income anymore. Entrepreneurship. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, but it, you know, it always pans out and I'm so glad I did it and I would not go back. Awesome. That is so cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Dude, so thanks. my sister-in-law, Lydia, is a writer and she writes really amazing stories and I'm wondering, how do you go from being someone who writes really amazing stories to producing your own book? Like, what is that process? I just, I just started. I wrote my story and then started illustrating the pictures, storyboarded it out, and you know, put the images in my stuck in my brain out on paper, and. It just happened, yeah. and I and I wasn't gonna quit. I wasn't gonna quit. There was times where I got sidetracked, and I it took me ten years to yeah. finish each book. And I just was like, "Oh, I'm going, I'm going." I thought it was gonna take a year, but then you know, it, it had so many layers to it, mm -hmm. and I wanted to it to be perfect before I put it out to the world. And I guess that's a hindrance for a lot of artists yep. perfectionists uh -huh. and also being just putting it out there you know that's your baby right you don't want it a lot of people I don't need your critique yes <laughs> this is my baby yes yes and so I just the layers kept coming I wrote the story then I illustrated it and it sat in a publishing house for three years before they told me they couldn't do it and in that time, I redid some illustrations that I wasn't happy with, and I wrote the song with my elder, who was the last fluent speaker of our of my grandparents' generation, my uncle, Miju. And so the song was just so special. And then I learned how to sing in my language, and I learned how to speak some words in my language. And that song is actually really popular among the youth nice. of all cultures. Yeah. That's awesome. I had some kids in, in Rainier Beach at South Shore singing the song word for word nice. for me. That's awesome. <laughs> Shout out so to amazing. Beach. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's awesome. And so, and then. And then I went looking for publishers. I was and I say. got turned down, got turned down, got yeah. turned down. And I just didn't let that stop me. You know, I, I knew that somebody would like my books. And my tribal corporation see alaska heritage institute gave me my first break and published my first book and, wow you know did a really nice book release party for me up in alaska juno for celebration and wow. it was pretty amazing experience that's awesome and then they taught me the ropes to how to publish my own books and yeah. so i was just getting to know people and you know, they're all about keeping our culture alive and our language alive. And so, you know. Came back to the community mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they took care of you. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's super amazing. Yeah. And they liked the song, too. That really made it. So after I had the song, that's when it was done. Okay. That's when the people were like, okay. And that's when I feel like creator was like, okay, now it's finished. 
tell me about that process of what are you using to illustrate on your books and how do you take those illustrations and get them from whatever you're using to begin with to actual print? I learned how to illustrate books from another children's book author I contacted and just picked his brain about. And he gave me a book called Writing with Pictures. And that was a really good manual for um, picture book artists. And slowly started, what I would do is I would break up my book into a storyboard and then start just sketching the little pictures out. I'd blow them up, trace them with pencil, make them really nice. And then I would transfer them onto another tracing paper and then transfer them onto the final paper that I was going to paint on. Mm. And so when I transferred it, it would be just a really light pencil marking. And then I would just go in and start using watercolors to fill in the spaces. And that was fun. Just coloring. It's like coloring. It's a process. Your own artwork. Yeah, it was a huge process. process. That's why it took me so long. It's like for each photo. For each design. Wow. Mm -hmm. And maybe other people do it differently, but it was the... Because I tried it many times. I tried many different ways, Mm -hmm. and it just didn't get what I wanted. It didn't. What was in my brain wasn't on the paper. that, And so I did it a few times. I practiced and found what I really liked that made my heart happy as an artist and... That's cool. What advice would you give folks who are thinking about becoming artists? Just never give up and enjoy it. Have fun with it. You know, art is healing. It really is. It healed me. My book, she mentioned that the girl in my first book looked like me and I realized it was me later because a lot of people said that. <laughs> but in that picture of her paddling free with the wind blowing in her hair and just that smile on her face, <laughs> looking just free, that was a time in my life where I really let go of a lot of negativity, <laughs> a destructive relationship and just bad choices. And I started doing art. <laughs> and then I started writing my books. And so... I just remember how free I felt when I really realized I don't really have to live in a negative space. Right. <laughs> I can escape right. this. And I did. I escaped. I ran for the hills, you know. I was like, I want a positive life. I want a peaceful life. I want my children to have that and I want to do good things for my community and so I, you know, cleared my brain. Yeah. Kept a clear mind and just started doing art and that was the most healing thing for me. That's and it's just if you have fun with it it's not work i i can't believe this is work yeah right you know i'm going to work today this morning i i went worked with the muckleshoot canoe family and you know they love my hoodies and so we were painting personalizing their hoodies with my designs and that's super i was teaching them how to do tribal art yeah man can't ask for a better job than that you know how did you solidify your rate i know a lot of artists have a hard time Mm -hmm. when it comes to that transition of how much is my art worth well it's my art it's priceless 
I got grants from native entrepreneur um, grant makers that help you know native entrepreneurs and they did a training they told us to time ourselves how long it takes you to complete an art piece and so I timed myself on a pair of shoes that I painted around the whole heel and it took me about eight hours at first I'm, I'm a lot faster now but they told me to just when I did that I realized I was making two bucks an hour <laughs> Dang. you know after I timed myself and that wasn't enough yeah you know it wasn't enough so I had to raise my prices to a point where people would still buy it and I felt good about right. creating the artwork and kind of how you have to go with the market value and yep. what people, there's that sweet spot and you have to stick to it. You know, I would go up and down on my prices all the time, but that's not professional. You right. know, you have to stick to it and you just learn all these little things on the way, you know. That's not real. That's real. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. And so I, I value myself at least 20 to 25 an hour on the artwork. Which I think is still so cheap. Yeah, but I can't like sell yeah. my shoes for like 500 Right. Because <laughs> nobody will buy them. They'll right. sit there forever. Well, that's I true. price them at that's 150 true. and then learn how to, you know, now I don't have to draw the design on. I could just freehand it on. Right. That's you know, awesome. So I'm getting a lot faster at it. That's super cool. Wrapping up. What would you, what do you want people to know about I guess a lot of things. What do you want people to know about your culture? What do you want people to know about your art? I would just say it all stems from love and passion and I just love my people and you know I'm I'm actually learning what we my elders went through myself you know and so I just want people to know that we're real people <laughs> and we love we love life I don't know the reason I do what I do is just to keep my culture alive and and bring it from an indigenous perspective which I think that a lot of people really want sure. and I don't you know it's just when I sit here and think about all the things that I do is just it's driven by passion nobody's forcing me to do it it's just these thoughts that come into my brain and and, and I'm just flowing with it and I'm not afraid of what anybody's going to say to me you know or judge me I don't think about that I'm just like I love my people I love my culture sure. I love the time I'm living in this is a time where I could speak my mind I could be proud of who I am you know there was a time where they made it illegal to practice being indigenous and sure. you know my grandparents couldn't walk down the street in a cedar bark hat and sure. and so I'm grabbing that and I'm running with it you yeah. know and yeah. Doing everything. Mm -hmm. doing Just doing everything, everything I can, That's you know? It. That's it. Using nope. the gifts that Creator gave me. That's one thing I learned, too, is that Creator doesn't give us gifts that we don't like. Mm -hmm. You know, He's not forced. He wants to give us things that we like to do. And so everything I'm doing is just so enjoyable. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. How can people support? How can people buy art? How can people see? Where can people see you play? Well, we are playing at the Seattle Art Museum Sculpture Park coming up soon. I don't know the exact dates. Where else are we performing? We have a documentary coming out. So we're playing at the Neptune. Nice. I think in August 9th. On August 9th, you can. Find my art and books at hideartbysandra.com. My tribe is H-A-I-D-A, Haida nice. Art by Sandra. All one word. And yeah, hit me up if you have any questions. I love Facebook. Same same name, Haida Art by Sandra on Facebook. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thanks um, for having me. It's yes, such an honor. Of course. I'm, I've been waiting for this for a long time. This is Sandra Segundo, and you're listening to No Blueprint Podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to donate so we can keep going. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. You have no idea how much it helps. We also want to know what you think. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can even use the hashtag NoBlueprint. And if you're really down with the movement, you can join our Patreon account and become a patron, where you'll get exclusive content and limited edition merchandise. No Blueprint is powered by Ambassador Stories. We share stories of the people, places, and spaces that bring soul to our communities. No Blueprint is recorded at Ambassador Stories Studios and co-produced with me, Maya Aina. Hear more episodes of No Blueprint and get official No Blueprint merchandise at noblueprintpodcast.com.